The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey everybody, it's Victoria Moran and welcome to Main Street Vegan. It's still just me, my lovely daughter and sidekick is still in Africa and they're having from the occasional email that I get a wonderful adventurous time other than capsizing in a canoe on a white water rafting adventure last week they're seeing all these incredible animals they have seen baboons and giraffe and elephants and baby elephants and rhinos and hippos and geckos and all sorts of amazing animals of every size and species. Ah, golly, it just sounds amazing. Don't you love it that we can actually travel the world these days? Didn't used to be like that. I remember as a little girl, very few people left the country unless they were extraordinarily rich. I was able to go to Europe when I was a kid because my parents were divorced and my mother had married a man in the Air Force. So I got to go to Spain and other countries in Europe three summers when I was 10, 11, and 12. And that was so unusual at that time, especially for a kid in Kansas City. And I had one of my pre-vegetarian experiences on one of those trips I was in the plane, and this lovely Indian man was seated next to me. And when it came time for the meal, the flight attendant did not have his vegetarian meal that he'd ordered. And she told him that she would just take the meat off one of the regular plates and and bring that back to him. And he said, oh, no, that was fine, that he would just wait and eat when we landed. But we weren't going to land for another six hours. Now, being a kid who really liked to eat, that was absolutely extraordinary to me. This man is going to wait hours. He could faint. He could die just because he didn't want to eat that animal. That stuck with me. So I always think about memories like that when I'm wondering how I'm influencing the rest of the world. Somebody asked me yesterday, do I have to be perfect? What if I'm not a 100% vegan? Can I still inspire other people? Of course you can, because you're living consciously. Now, I think about whenever I don't have the world's most perfect diet on a day, it'll be vegan because I'm really, really committed to that. But maybe it won't be as green or as fresh or as beautiful as on the days when it really is green and fresh and beautiful. 
that, you know what, that's somebody else's health food. So we do the best we can, and when you shine your light, you're just inspiring the heck about who, out of whoever is in your vicinity. So happy to have you all with us today. Here's the call-in number if you want to just call in and have a little chat. That's 888-558-6489. That's a toll-free number. You can call from anywhere in these United States. And we can talk about health. We can talk about animals. We can talk about food. You can tell me what you had for dinner last night. And I'll tell you what I had for dinner even though you haven't told me. I had my favorite salad. Now, you know you can sometimes get in a rut with favorites. So I have to remember, maybe sometimes you want a different kind of beans. Maybe sometimes you want something different. But I do have to tell you my super favorite salad. It starts with arugula. I have become addicted to arugula, but addicted in a good way. Sometimes people say, are there any foods you're really addicted to that you really stay away from? Yes, there are. I stay away from chocolate silk soy milk. I stay away from those chai teas at Starbucks. And I've recently decided to stay away from Daya cheese. It's just too good and too yummy, and I don't want any food around that I think about in between meals. I want to think about life, not food. Here's my fabulous good salad. We start with arugula, and then I put on garbanzo beans. They are my favorite bean. Can you hear arugula, garbanzo? My Italian heritage is coming through. Then I chop on half of an avocado, do a a squirt of lemon juice, and then I top it with something steamed. Last night it was yams. Sometimes it's steamed broccoli. And that simple, simple salad, when it's just me here by myself as I was last night, is my go-to dinner. It's a pretty darn good dinner to go to. I see that our wonderful guest has joined us, and I'm so excited to be introducing you to him. Dr. Frank Sabatino is my health mentor. I would trust this man with my life. If heaven forbid I ever had anything happen to me, if I was ever diagnosed with something that didn't sound very good, he would not be somebody that I would call for a second opinion. He would be the first opinion because I really, really trust this man. He is the medical director at the Regency Health Resort and Spa in Hallandale Beach, Florida, where I have gone as a speaker. It's a lovely place. Highly recommend it. But I've also known Dr. Frank for nearly 30 years. I am just looking here for his bio that he sent me yesterday. In my next life, I'm going to be so much more technologically astute than I am now. You know what? I'm not seeing that. So, Dr. Frank, I'm just going to go ahead and bring you on and let you tell us some wonderful things about about you, and I'll talk you up later when I'm looking at your statistics. Hello. Welcome to the show. Can you hear me okay? Everything okay? I, I can hear you beautifully. Wonderful. How's, uh, I how's like life? That, I like that Italian girl that you are, all that arugula and all those garbanzos and all those cool things. That's great. You know, I was with a wonderful woman of Italian heritage this weekend. I spoke at the Unity Church of Albany and afterwards went out to lunch with a couple of the wonderful women from there. And this woman was regaling us with stories of her growing up. Her dad was a produce dealer, and she would sometimes go to dinner at her friends' houses, and she'd come home and she'd say, Mom... They, they have vegetables that come out, out of cans. And her mother would say, American, because this woman grew up eating vegetables that I didn't have until I was 40. I was Italian, but not of the produce vendor right. Italians. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up, when I grew up in so the Bronx, yeah, we grew up near the Italian markets. I swear, by the time I was six or seven years old, I would go shopping in these open fruit and vegetable markets, and that's when I first got into picking out fruits and vegetables because they would send me to just go shopping at seven years of age. It was kind of safe in New York back then, and I would walk five or six blocks. They'd send me with money. They'd give me a list. I'd go in, and we would deal with the vendors, and we'd buy the stuff, and I'd come home, and it was all fresh produce from those Italian fruit and vegetable markets. Oh, that's a wonderful memory. I wish more of us had those. I think more people, certainly of my age group and younger, 
have memories of the Twinkies and the TV dinners and the cereal in a box. So we're changing that. Now here, I I do see your bio now, so I'm going to tell people some of your greatness. Dr. Frank Sabatino is a chiropractic physician who also has a PhD in cell biology and neuroendocrinology from the Emory University School of Medicine. While a professor at the University of Texas School of Medicine, he did extensive landmark research on nutrition, stress, and aging. He's published extensively in the areas of clinical nutrition, healthy weight loss, women's hormones, stress management, addiction, and healthy aging. And let me tell you, people have sent me questions about all these things. So I'm going to be plying you with people's questions. He's been featured in a variety of books, news articles, and television programs, including CNN. Dr. Sabatino is a past member of the prestigious Brookdale Fellowship in Gerontology and Aging. As a member of the International Association of Hygienic Physicians, he is also widely recognized as an expert in water-only fasting and integrative health care. His DV program Weight Loss, Compassionate Weight Loss for Life, promotes the most comprehensive solution and strategy for solving the epidemic of obesity. You can find out more about Dr. Frank on his website, Dr. R. F. No, Dr. F. Sabatino. Sorry, Dr. That's D-R-F Sabatino.com. And you can call him right now with your questions, 888 558 Six four eight nine. Well, Doctor Frank, question. Did, did your daughters find any? Uh, did she discover any bonobos? That's my favorite vegan primate. You know, she's not in the p- part of Africa where the primates hang out. Now, that's so where I want to go. Congo. She's not down by the Congo or any of that. No, she's in Zambia and Zimbabwe. Okay, so fine. they have a lot of great animals. It seems like the primates like to live in places where, where there are civil wars pretty often. So they're kind of hard to go to. But that is my great travel ambition, to go be with the gorillas. Yeah, those bonobos, are the best. they're the most empathic of all the primates. They're really compassionate. Those are the best. I, yeah, and totally, totally vegetarian. So yeah. shall we just jump in? I think I have 14... Or 15 questions. People have really been interested in um, finding out what you think about some of their situations. Okay, these are totally random and in the order in which they were received. The first one says, I have mild hypothyroidism. I went off Synthroid and feel okay, but I can't keep to keep, mm, can't seem to keep my weight down even when I diet. Is there a non-drug way to deal with hypothyroidism? Well, see, the problem is when she's, uh, the, the fact that she's mildly hypothyroid is just enough to slow that metabolism down. But the thing about thyroids and, and adrenal glands and endocrine glands is it's not so much what you do to them, it's what you don't do. So a lot of times there's still a little too much stimulant abuse. There could be caffeine, little things like that that creep in, stress, sleep deprivation, all of those things will keep the thyroid a little bit suppressed. So if you're going to address an endocrine organ like the thyroid, you have to look at all of those avenues and pieces. And many times if you get it early enough, the thyroid can recover because, you know, all organs are capable of healing and recovering. It's funny to me that, you know, we talk about the healing power of the body, but then when it comes to certain organs, we act like they don't have that ability. These organs have that ability too, but when it, by the time it gets run down, it takes a little more effort and time and work to allow it to recover. And you have to watch every avenue where energy is being kind of dissipated and discharged. But there can be an opportunity there because once you take the drugs, you have to understand that then your body starts believing that you're making those drugs that are coming in from the outside and it will stop making them on its own. And the doctors will tell you that it's a life sentence because, in a way, it will be. Fascinating. We have a caller. We have Dan calling from Overland Park, Kansas. Dan? Hi. Welcome to the show. Uh, hey. Dr. Sabatino. Hi, uh, Dan. How are you doing? I'm good. This is Dan Redwood. I remember you from when we were both students at Palmer College of Chiropractic in Iowa, a long wow, time ago. Wow, okay. And I that's, when dinos- say, that's when dinosaurs roamed the earth, wasn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, long, long ago. 
Um, okay. I just want to say to anyone listening that you know I have followed doc- some of Dr. Sabatino's work from afar over the years. He was way ahead of the curve in seeing much earlier than many of us the importance of a whole foods, plant-based diet and all of the good things it could do for people's health. Uh, He was touting this at a time when hardly any of the research that we now have from Dr. Neil Barnard and Caldwell Esselstyn and Dean Ornish and others Um, Even before any of the research was there, he understood this and he followed this path because he knew and had seen that it was effective. What I want to ask you is if you could share with the people who are listening um, an example of a case of a person who you worked with, a patient, who... Who, uh, whose results not only exceeded their own expectations, but maybe even exceeded yours. What is one of the cases that was most powerful for you? Wow. Okay. First of all, thank you for that, that uh, preamble, because it's like the old country song. I know me and several other people were doing this when it wasn't cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no no yeah. question about it. But I had the benefit of... Uh, having had input with a lot of the early, uh, some of the earlier hygienic doctors and pioneers, so I won't take full credit. I, I de- definitely, by their influence, even including Dr. Herbert Shelton, I was at least able to be introduced to a way of thinking that was definitely way ahead of the curve. There's no question about that. Um, you know, there are a number of cases. One of the most, as you said that, the most profound one that stuck out for me is I had a young woman way back, in the 1970s when I was at uh, Shangri-La, which was a fasting institution on the Gulf Coast of Florida, she had what was uh, basically elephant man's disease. She had neurofibromatosis. So she had tumors all along, all of the nerve trunks going right into the, the uh, brain stem itself. And what was happening with those tumors is that they could put remarkable undue pressure uh, cutting off blood supply and so on. So this young woman had a shunt that was taking blood from her heart right off of the carotid artery, bypassing the base of the brain and putting blood supply right into her brain. But because of those small tumors, she was having seizures probably every few seconds to minutes. So she was medicated out of existence with phenobarbital and opiates and narcotics just to kind of keep her body quiet. So they carried her into the uh, fasting institution, which was the Shangri-La, and over a couple of weeks with a medical doctor that worked there with me, we kind of put her on more raw food and a a nice plant-based approach, got her a little withdrawn off of some of those narcotics and opiates like phenobarbital and dilantin at that time, and then she wound up going through a 25- to 30-day water fast. And during that time, her body went through such profound elimination and change, but with elephant man's disease, you get whole patches of the skin that look like those uh, pinto horses that have those brown patches. And what was intriguing is all of those skin patches were starting to shrink, and the tumors were being dissolved in the course of that fast, and the seizure activity dramatically, significantly dropped. And at one point, you know, the body has tremendous wisdom, and this is going to sound kind of intense, but the body will eliminate through any avenue that it can. At one point, from all of that poisonous medication that had been in her body, her belly button actually kind of opened up and drained black bile right from her abdominal wall. And there was a period where she went through magnificent seizure activity up and down and up and down, and then by the end of that fast, 25 to 30 days, I carried her around the property. She started walking around the property, and she made a, a kind of a, a return in a recovery that was absolutely beyond my wildest imagination because we were flying by the seat of our pants. No one had ever really seen anything in that kind of a pathology respond to anything like that. And I had a physical therapist there who had worked with a lot of medical people. He was from New York City, and he said, you know, you need to write this up. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And we were in the trenches, and I was just concerned about the welfare of this young woman, and it was just, it was really one of the most mind-bending situations I had ever really been a part of. 
That is incredible. That reminds me of what Jesus said for a, a case like this. I'm not quoting directly. We're going to have to do prayer and fasting. Fasting is miraculous. Well, so we'll talk lot, about we that. <laughs> we did a lot of prayer. Trust me when I tell you. You know. I'll, I'll bet. Oh, that's amazing. It's time for us to take a break. So please stay with us and be back after this for more of Main Street Vegan with my wonderful guest, Dr. Frank Sabatino. Stay with us. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. What I desire for myself, I desire for all beings. There is only one presence and one power at work in the universe. As I align myself with this truth, I set in motion ripples of peace, harmony, and abundance throughout the world. In a quiet time of prayer, I center my thoughts on the perfect peace within me. There is no lack, no separation, only the wholeness of peace. I affirm aloud... I am peace. You are peace. We are peace. I rest for a moment, feeling my heart expand as peace radiates from me. I envision a world in which all beings live in harmony, free from lack, free from violence, and at peace. One by one, each of us creates this peace for all. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria and Adair Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to like Victoria Moran, author on Facebook, and post your questions and comments. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, and you can find more about me at MainStreetVegan.net. I'm also happy to report something just really amazing that happened this week, and that is that the new Veg News magazine is out, the September-October edition, 
and there is this wonderful, wonderful interview with me. It's called 10 Questions, and it's just incredibly exciting. They did a beautiful, beautiful job. You can see it online if you go to uh, vegnews.com, or you can get the issue at your newsstand or your health food store around about August 1st. So take a look. Um, it was a lot of fun to do. I'm very, very grateful to Veg News for giving me this opportunity. Well, we are here now with, oh golly, one of my favorite people and someone that I just admire so much, Dr. Frank Sabatino. And you can find out more about him at Dr. F, like Frank, Sabatino.com. Okay, that was an incredible story, and thanks to Dr. Dan Redwood for his call. So we're just going to continue with more questions that have come in. This one says, I'm a 55-year-old male in a high-stress job. I'm nearly vegan and don't take in many calories. I only eat once a day. I work out with weights and walking, but I can't do anything about my gut. It's hard and big. I'm not fat anywhere else. What's going on? Uh, the, one of the things that we know happens under profound stress as you're speaking about it is that you have a hormone that's released under stress that is called cortisol. And cortisol is really designed to help us be able to either fight or run away from the stressful events that we're encountering. The problem is it was designed for a very short-term response. When the stress becomes more chronic and more long-term, you're getting an exaggeration of that cortisol release. The adrenal glands that release it are being overworked. And cortisol is designed to take the energy reserves, the sugar and the fat in your liver and your fat cells, and make it available for energy. The problem is cortisol has a tremendous affinity, a love affair, for fat cells in your abdominal region. So when the stress becomes more chronic, it's going to trigger the action of an enzyme in your belly fat that will allow more and more fat to accumulate right around that abdominal apron of belly fat. So the problem is regardless of the food sometimes you're eating or even the exercise you're doing, I think the missing link for you is that to really work with whatever stress management techniques that you may be able to do, whether that's yoga or meditation or to take some quiet time at certain parts of your day where you can step back from the chatter of everything that you're involved in and allow that whole stress action to kind of calm down. Let those adrenal glands kind of find a better balance and let the cortisol release come down a little bit because that's definitely a cortisol-induced pattern of weight gain, abdominal belly fat. And understand that that's one of the most risky uh, weight gains of all because when belly fat goes up, the risk of heart disease, stroke, and diabetes will go up along with that. So the best I could tell you is, you know, you've got other pieces going for you, working on a vegan diet, maybe working out with weights. I would definitely get into thinking about what could you do to generate more of a stress management process within the, you know, your day-to-day experience. That is so interesting and so really counterintuitive because we're told for weight loss it's all about diet and exercise and I remember when I was struggling with overeating and overweight in my early 20s one day I wandered into a Christian science reading room and the man there said maybe you should learn to meditate and I walked out thinking this man is an idiot that doesn't burn any calories (laughs) but because we're holistic beings all this is really important so fascinating it's a huge piece It's Uh one of the most overlooked pieces, that and sleep deficiency. Those two pieces, stress management and sleep deficiency, are huge missing links in the weight loss story, and Mm -hmm. they're not highlighted and talked about nearly as well as they should be. Well, you do talk about it in your DVD program, Weightless, Compassionate Weight Loss for for Life, and you can get that on uh, Dr. Frank's website, drfsabatino.com. Okay, here's another question that came in by email. The food combining theory I learned in the book Fit for Life ruined me. Oh, (laughs) that's strong. It said I had to eat fruit alone, but I'm a little hypoglycemic and eating fruit alone doesn't work for me. I'm afraid 
to have it the way I used to for a little sweetness after a meal. Now I almost never eat fruit, and for dessert I have chocolate or a vegan cookie or two vegan cookies. Can you help me get over my fear of having orange slices or a bowl of cherries for dessert? Oh, I'm going to make it real easy for you because, you know, years ago, understand that at one time the food combining model was put forward by Dr. Herbert Shelton in a very well-known book done many years ago called Food Combining Made Easy. Unfortunately, there was really nothing easy about it. And when you're trying to change into a vegan or vegetarian diet, trying to follow an endless minutia of rules makes, can make life somewhat unbearable and intolerable. And we've come to find out through the years that many of those rules that he once thought were very accurate are not quite as accurate under modern scrutiny. So my best recommendation to you would be is if there is a difficulty with the consumption of fruit, and I really feel that we are fruit eaters and should do it, I think you would do better combining the fruit with something green, with green stuff, whether it's in a green smoothie, whether it's with something like lettuce, cucumber, celery, along with the fruit. It will allow you to temper the, the absorption of the sugar a little bit easier, and I think you'll find that you can go back to eating something more wholesome like fruit, especially if it's organic and more local to where you're living, without getting into cookies and and other processed, even though they may be vegan products, they're definitely more highly processed than than fruit is. And I think the missing link for you is just greens. I really mean that. And and I think by upscaling and upping the green content, you're going to find that the fruit will be something that you do not have to lose your attachment with you can still enjoy, and you'll temper the way your body handles it. Terrific. Moving right along. How bad is coffee really? I only have it in the morning, and a lot of studies say it improves brain power and has antioxidants and other good things. Oh, boy. If you were waiting for a time for someone to tell you that it's cool to drink wine, eat chocolate, and drink coffee, you have arrived. Yes, we're there. Uh, the problem with caffeine for me is that it has an amphetamine-like effect, meaning that there's a stimulation effect. But remember this. Anytime you stimulate the body chemically, that's only the initial effect. As the body handles that substance, you will have to crash to the same extent that you have been stimulated. So chemicals like caffeine reinforce this roller coaster, this illusion of stimulation and depression. Now, obviously, less is better. If you're having a small amount and that's your personal choice, that's your personal choice. I don't typically recommend caffeine in in any way, shape, or form because I've seen too many of the withdrawal problems associated with caffeine withdrawal in practice. Nausea, vomiting, energy suppression, uh, hypoglycemic episodes, on and on and on. And caffeine will also stimulate cortisol release in the sense, giving the body the signal that it's under stress. So my personal feeling is I would do less caffeine, the better, definitely. Are there antioxidants in coffee beans, in chocolate beans? Yes, there are. But in a way, they're, in a sense, outweighed to me by some of these chemicals that provoke this stimulation and depression cycle. And we live in a country that has been on that ride and on that roller coaster for way too long. So nobody's really generating their own energy. We have a nation of people living on borrowed time, and we're paying a price in our thyroid, adrenal function, and in the body for these excessive stimulants. So my best advice would be to drink the smallest amount that you could. Try to find your way away from it as much as you can. And I think once you do, you'll find that it's difficult to even go back to, and you'll be generating your own energy from the high-quality diet that you eat, from the stress management that you do, from the sleep that you get, and you'll be able to live without it. Well, I do know you guys down there at the Regency Health Resort and Spa serve something really lovely called Ticino that you brew like coffee. It has that wonderful aroma. It doesn't have any caffeine, so you're not going to get any of that. But but you do get the coffee ritual, so that might be something to look right. into. That's yes, T-P-E-C-H-I-N-O. Yeah, you get the ritual, you get the smell, you get the taste, you just don't get the buzz. <laughs> yeah, so, and some people and value that buzz. With, but the, yeah, but the truth is when you're dealing with coming off of substances that have an addictive quality, creative substitutions are very valuable that way because the point you made is important. 
there is a ritual to drug taking and to addictive process. And we as human beings are very ritualistic. So if you can create an alternative, a really beautiful creative substitution that satisfies the ritual but doesn't hurt the body, that's a great way to go. This makes sense. Okay, number five. I've been listening to Dr. Greger's videos. That's Dr. Michael Greger, nutritionfacts.org, about all the studies that say how great nuts are. I know they're concentrated, and I'm not going to eat them by the cup, but what's up with some other experts in the alternative health world who seem to have a vendetta against nuts? I just wish you guys could agree with one another. (laughs) I, you know, I don't think it's a fundamental disagreement. I think the disagreement comes around the idea of how much fat and oil is going to come into the diet and then the calorie density issue. You know, green plants are like 100 calories a pound. So the foundation of the eating plant-based approach with a lot of greens and vegetables builds in this calorie protection. But nuts are like 2,500 calories a pound. So we never rec- I never recommend more than an ounce or two in any one particular day. But you've got to understand, nuts are, you know, they can be as much as 70% fat. So the calorie density, the fat content does go up. But I, I think nuts are a phenomenal way to diversify a vegan diet, and I think they do have a value in the diet. And nuts like walnuts will have an omega-3 fatty acid content that's extremely valuable, so I think nuts play a, a, an instrumental part of a balanced vegan diet. You just need to be very sensitive to quantity. And the hard part with nuts is keeping that quantity. So if you buy a pound of nuts, I would put them in eight equal size baggies of about two ounces each. And whenever you want nuts, take out that one bag. Because if you take out a pound of nuts, if you're like me, you may eat a pound of nuts. And that's not going to work because that's going to go way over the top. But getting, without getting lost in all the fights and battles, and I agree with you, it gets very confusing, and sometimes I really wonder why so much energy is devoted to these arguments. The truth is nuts can have value. Make sure they're organic, unsalted, raw, and then try to keep it to one to two ounces. And my king of nuts, of all nuts, to me, are walnuts. Yum. Okay, now this one is a related question. It's about coconut oil. It just says, what about coconut oil? I've read that it's a cure-all and the worst thing ever. Oh, so she's got the whole gamut. Look, yes. we, uh, we have gotten, I have gotten to a place where in my counseling, because we are a culture that has been so kind of inundated, covered with oils and fats, that we really come from a place that it makes more sense to get oils primarily in the foods in which they exist. There really is no animal in nature that isolates the pure fat from their food chain, puts it in big bottles of liquid fat, and then douses it on everything. So when you start doing that, you know, you only need a diet that's about 10 to 15% fat. If you had a diet of lettuce only, it's already about 5 to 7% fat. So the oils that are found in deep greens, in grains, in beans, in nuts, in avocados are really going to be the ideal sources for us. And the less you can use bottled oils, in my opinion, the better. The less you cook with bottled oils, are definitely, it's definitely best in your favor. Now, coconut oil has value, but I think it is thus best taken in in the coconut. So if you want to eat coconuts with coconut oil, I think you would do yourself a big favor. Remember, one of the strong suits of a plant-based diet is that it's very low, basically, in calorie density, especially fruits and vegetables. But the most calorie-dense macronutrient you can eat is fat. So if you take a nice plant-based approach that's low in calorie density and you start loading it with oils, in a way, you're undermining one of the major benefits of the eating plan. So I would urge you to get more of your oils from the foods in which they exist and less in bottled oils. Makes sense. Okay, let's see if we can get one more in in the three minutes we have left in this segment. I'm female, nearly 60, always a couch potato, but recently hired a trainer, and I'm actually getting excited about exercise. What's the most somebody my age can hope for in terms of athletic performance and overall fitness? Wow, your age, you're a spring chicken, honey. 60 is <laughs> nothing. 60 is not even middle age to me. 
You know, it's so funny to me because this question touches on other things that are important to me too in the sense that we have a culture that almost has this sense that there are certain things that are supposed to happen to us at certain ages. And I really believe with our energy, with our mental constructs, with our beliefs, we program various levels of destruction at the different ages we think that that's supposed to happen at. The truth of the matter is, most of that concept of time is basically an illusion anyway. The truth of the matter is, if you start an exercise regimen, I don't care where you start, the benefits that can occur will go to whatever extent you decide to get, dedicate yourself to it. There's no, there's no upper limit to what's going to happen to you know, your outcome. Nobody knows. There's no physician. There's no doctor. There's not anybody who knows what you are truly capable of achieving at any age. So I'm urging you, whether it's with your food, with your activity, get turned on, jump in, commit to it, dedicate yourself to it, and see where that takes you. You have this remarkable opportunity to define your own opportunity and outcome. No one can do that for you. What a remarkable capability. It's a phenomenal dance. Take advantage of that. Have fun with it. We do know that as you get older, we lose muscle mass. There's a phenomenon called sarcopenia, the loss of muscle cells. So the use of aerobic activity, weight training, to me is very important with people as they get older because muscles harbor energy. And if you lose muscle mass, you lose the ability to store energy. And there will be more senile fatigue and things of that nature. So push that resistance training. Push that aerobic. And then bring in the magical movements of yoga and tai chi and things of that nature. You know, we're moving animals. We have hands and feet. We're meant to climb and jump and run and dance. And we're meant to do all of that. And I really believe that when we get sedentary, it feeds the epidemics of insomnia and depression and all of those things that are imbalances to me where it's just really tied into a really a lack of movement. So I'm excited for you, but understand that there's no telling where you can go. Nobody knows what that upper limit will be for you. Just have fun in the discovery of it. What an exciting answer, and I think everybody listening can tell why I absolutely adore you. You may be the only doctor that I know who would use the phrase magical movement. I love it. <laughs> so, so beautiful. I'm here on Unity FM, Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This is Main Street Vegan. My guest is Dr. Frank Sabatino, and we'll be back right after this. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 
right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. For tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey everybody, welcome back to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran without Adair. She'll be back next week. Next week's show is about fashion. We're going to have Leanne Maley Hilgart of Vote Couture and Michelle Schwegman of Herbivore Clothing Company. We're going to talk about vegan fashion. That should be a lot of fun. And today we are talking about health with Dr. Frank Sabatino. You can find Dr. Frank on his website, drfsabatino.com, and his DVD program, Weightless, Compassionate Weight Loss for Life, is fabulous, which brings me to the next question that was emailed in. And this person says, I've struggled with weight issues most of my adult life. I've read Victoria's books, The Love Powered Diet and Fit from Within. Thank you so much. And they helped. But I always slip back. What's wrong with me? And more importantly, I guess, what can I do about it? Oh, there's nothing wrong with you, darling. The bottom line is we all have, you know, we have a lot of ways that we pattern our behavior. And a lot of times what I, uh, to me, it's not just about, you know, the food you're eating or even the movement that you're doing. What this tells me is that there's other work that has to be done in terms of the mindfulness of what's driving that behavior, meaning that, you know, when we look at the kinds of ways that we're motivated to do things, there's a lot of reasons for that. And many times it's associated with the way we create pleasure and well-being in our lives because we're animals that can experience pleasure from the simple acts and joys of life. So we create patterns of addiction and compulsion because they wind up giving us pleasure in a, in, 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 in while we're trying to you know, find some balance in our own lives. But what it usually means is, is that there's things behind that. There can be issues behind that. There can be other cognitive pieces that are driving us to do some of the things that we do. And sometimes the reasons why we fall back to old patterns of behavior is because we're not quite there yet. We're not quite finished with addressing what those drives and needs and issues may be. So how do each of us get in touch with the things that are cognitively driving the ways that we seek pleasure in our lives? And what are the emotional and other features that are tied into that? I mean, we know eating a plant-based approach, doing physical exercise, doing some stress management is all going to move us in the direction of weight loss, and you've already had those levels of success. But then there are things, those old patterns kind of rise up and rear their ugly head, pulling you back into old patterns of behavior because, in a way, they were like old friends in the night. They were the ways that you created some degree of pleasure and well-being. Now, it may, not been, it may not be as useful because it's creating, whether it's creating a weight issue or some other disturbance in your life, but on some level you associated it with pleasure and well-being. So you've got to find a way to create that kind of pleasure and balance and stability with other behaviors and activities, whether it's your own creative expression, whether it's getting in touch with your essence and how you express your passion and the things that you do creatively with your brain, Well-being is generated in a lot of ways for human beings, but especially in the ways that we express our creativity and passion. So I'm urging you that, yeah, the diet is a big piece and all of these lifestyle factors are huge, but what can you do to get in touch with what is driving your craving and desire? And can you take a a step into some cognitive tools and skills that help you confront that, mindfully address those, and then integrate that? into the dynamics and the beauty of who you really are. Because you're beautiful. There's not a thing wrong with you. There's not a thing wrong with anybody. What becomes wrong is how we adjust and adapt to the changing forces and chaos around us and how we either are able to find some psychological poise with that or not. And I think at times you do and at times you don't. All I can urge you is not to give up, but take that step into getting more mindful day to day with everything you do. Wow. That's beautiful. We're not going to get to all the questions, but during the break, Dr. Frank was kind enough to say that if I would email him the other ones, he will 
respond in writing, and I can post that on the blog at MainStreetVegan.net. So check that out in a couple of days, and we'll have the rest of the questions. But since you were talking about pleasure, I'm going to have to finish up with this one. This woman writes, this is sort of personal, but I'm a woman in my 50s, and I'm not as interested in, shall we say, romance as I used to be. Neither is my husband. I see us becoming one of those celibate middle-aged couples, and that seems sad. Do you have any aphrodisiac ideas? Wow. You know, it's so funny. I just saw that movie, Hope Settles, with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Meryl Streep that are a couple right in that place trying to find and re reestablish that passion in their lives. You know what? To me, it's all about, it's not just about the performance of sex. It's how in a couple, you know, the longer you're together, many times there's, there's layers of things that go on and how we communicate and interact that begin to kind of separate us from the passion and connection that we may have had earlier in those relationships. And to me, the starting point would be how do you start getting back into some intimacy together? It may start with just doing some things together. It may start with the way you talk about things and communicate and share certain things. It's really about connection because, as you know, sex is, really starts between the ears. And when you, drive that, when you drive that interest with a certain kind of intimacy and connection, everything else tends to follow. Now, sometimes when you're in your 50s and 60s, maybe you're not as, as healthy as you were either. And maybe the dietary changes and lifestyle changes create kind of a resurgence of energy generally. And libido and sexual energy is just an extension of energy at large. So improving your well-being, improving your energy together can bring an energetics to the relationship that now can, in a sense, be there to allow for another level of intimacy and sexual play and connection and, and all the things that really make us happy and human. But the truth is I agree with you. I think you and your husband need to really work on finding that play together again because there's no reason at any age for any couple that decides to stay together to give that up. We're animals. We're, we're creatures that want to express passion. We need that. That's part of who we are creatively. And when you have a mate and you have a partner, that's one of the beauties of having the partner, that you get to explore that with them. That's part of what your marriage vow was, to take care of each other on a sexual and passionate level till death do you part, not to just vegetate in different corners of a house. So how do you find that intimacy? How do you work at that? How do you set it in motion where you set time aside to be able to do that? And the more that that has dissipated, the more it's going to take a little bit of effort to get over the inertia of that. But I'm here to tell you that you can do it. Just don't give up on it. If you love each other, bring that love into that connection again and really allow yourselves to find each other and rediscover yourselves like you did at the beginning. And too often in relationships, we get locked into old patterns. Sometimes it takes trying to see that person like you did at the beginning, not as an extension of you, not even as a husband or a wife, but as that divine soul that's staring across the table at you where you can now really get to explore your own divinity together and really appreciate each other and have the intimacy that will lead to a tremendous amount of sexual play and satisfaction. Wow. I just think you ought to be everybody's doctor. <laughs> you're, you're, you're really terrific, Dr. Frank. We've got about two and a half minutes left. Is there something you would just like to say about how to be healthy, how people could be living to be more vibrant and really yeah, I, I just want to say something. You know, there, there's a, a, a poem that I really like by a very famous Sufi poet, Rumi, that says, when you truly become a lover, duties become inspirations. And I want to change that to the idea that when you truly love yourself, the duties, the so-called chores of lifestyle, choice, and change truly become inspirational. And I think for those of us that have done this more and have experienced some level of health and well-being, we get past that idea of chore and we see even the smallest day-to-day choices that we make in a healthier direction to be inspirational. And when you do that, that inspiration just feeds every aspect of your life creatively. So life above all else, you just want to embrace it. And I'm urging you to give yourself the opportunity to get past the chore 
of doing positive things for yourself, making those choices that sometimes seem like drudgery, and allow yourself the opportunity to be inspired by the simple acts and mindful choices that you make day to day. Because the truth are, we are all divine, we are all beautiful, we are all one and connected. And the more, and that's what veganism is truly about, how do you embrace that compassion and empathy and connection and share that love as a species on the planet with each other and really get to that place of being just inspired creatures because that's what our brains and consciousness really allow us to be. So I urge you to Bless explore you. <laughs> your legacy. Yes, anyway. Thank you anyway, so much, I, I'm Dr. Frank Savicino. I'm so, so, so happy to be able to interact with you, Vicky. Thanks so much. Well, it was wonderful. My engineer just sent me a note that says top-notch show today, and, and I will absolutely applaud that. We will have to have you back. The website for Dr. Frank, drfsabatino.com. Look at his DVD program, Weightless, Compassionate Weight Loss for Life, and join us back here, same time, same station. Thank Next you. week, we're going to do vegan so fashion. All the best, everybody. God bless. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria and Adair Moran entertain, educate, and inspire you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your host, Dale Worley, is alive with the Spirit of God each Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. And play more at Unity Village. Join like-minded friends for the Unity World Day of Prayer Retreat. Living the Life Divine. Fully Human, Fully Divine. September 9th through 14th, 2012. Explore who you're truly meant to be with presenter Rev. Mary Omwake and soul-stirring music by devotion. Plus, be at Unity Village, front and centered, for Unity World Day of Prayer activities. To register, visit unityvillage.org forward slash prayer or call 1-866-34-UNITY. 
That's 1-866-34-UNITY. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.